Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. Are you a woman out there who has been doing her inner work for a while? You've maybe been going to therapy or listening to these podcasts or reading the books, doing the actual work it takes to heal yourself, and you're looking around and noticing that you are lonelier and more isolated than ever, that doing your work means that it does sometimes create distance with others. Think about joining the Sisterhood Group Coaching. I designed it so that women could come together and be supported with like-minded other women when sometimes our family and our friends, our children and our partners aren't as supportive as we would like them to be and as we deserve for them to be. This is a place to come every month and get that support and see the people who are doing the work, learning from each other, teaching each other. You deserve that. And this is a place where you can do it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. I am your fearless leader, Rochelle Indra, and welcome to today's episode. Now, today's episode came about when I was still in Europe last summer. I had an experience that has just stayed with me all this time, and I just thought, God, if it has just stayed with me, then there must be something here. There must be some meat to this. And if you listen to my episode about finding home, then you remember that it started with this Russian man that I had dated, (laughs) might be a strong term, spent time with. Uh, He was a Russian man uh, who was raised in France and spoke six languages. He still does. He's still alive. I say did this as if he's no longer with us. But he spent an evening like teaching me dirty words in the six languages he speaks. But one of the things that really struck me the most about him is that he had a very unusual name. I'm not going to share his name because he didn't ask to be in this. So I want to protect his privacy. But he had a very unusual name, a name I had never heard of before. And we had messaged on Bumble, the dating app. So that's how we got to know each other. And then we were texting until we were actually able to hang out for the first time. And I asked him, well, how do you pronounce your name? Because I want to make sure I was pronouncing it right. And he immediately said, in which language? In English? And I was like, stopped up. I, I didn't. I had never, I've asked many people because I always want to make sure that I'm pronouncing their name correctly. I have a very unusual name. People, if they see it written, they assume it's Rachel. If I say it, they assume it's Michelle. I'm totally fine. Whatever you want to call me, as long as you're talking to me, I don't really care. But as somebody with an unusual name, I'm very careful to make sure that I am getting people's names correctly. So I've asked people this many times. Nobody's ever said anything like that. And What stopped me up was the idea that how he received his name, he was willing to change for whoever he was talking to, if that makes sense. That probably doesn't make sense. But your name is your name. Your pronunciation is your pronunciation. That is is your name. 
And it was so interesting to me that he was so easy to change that for whatever situation he was in, for whoever he was talking to. He was fine with it being changed. Now, when I was a kid, my father's partner was Vietnamese. My father's gay, for those of you who are new to the podcast. And his partner had a Vietnamese name. And when he, they came to America, they picked, a, quote unquote, American names. So his name was Nick, but that was not his Vietnamese name, but you know, in being in America, he had changed his name to something easier. A lot of cultures do this, but this wasn't what he was talking about. He was doing different pronunciations, responding to different names, depending on where he was. So he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, there's a, as an American, you can say it this way, you know, as a, if you, as a French person, I would say it this way and all these different languages, he just, depending on who he was with, he changed how he would introduce himself. He had different expectations of his name and how people pronounced it. And I often think of, and maybe it's just me, I like my name. I like how it sounds. I like the unusualness of it. And again, I just like it when people are talking to me. So I'm somebody who's into my name. It's funny because my best friend, Lindsay, always says she doesn't like when somebody says her name because she always thinks she's in trouble. But I love it. I also love making her in trouble. But that's a whole other podcast. Anyways, back to the point. I digress. Too much coffee. Here we go. I found this fascinating that he was so willing to change this. And I maybe extrapolated to you're willing to change parts of who you are or how people see you or how people know you based on what is easiest for them. So I said, well, no, because, you know, he told me how I would pronounce it in English. And I said, well, no, but how, how do you think of your name? And he was like, Yeah, it depends on who I'm talking to. And I thought, oh my God, that is so fascinating that depending on how, who you're talking to, you can switch that quickly. So I finally said, okay, damn it. Uh, How do your parents pronounce your name? Because that must be the true form of your name, how your parents pronounce your name, how they think of you. Because it was fascinating to me that he didn't have a way that he saw himself. I'm like, well, when you think of you, when you think of you and you think of your name, how do you see yourself? And he was like, no, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's for whatever experience that I'm in, whoever I'm with. And that really got me thinking about how any one of us as humans chameleon ourselves for what situation we're in. Chameleoning is not a word, but you know what I'm saying. We become a Camille. <laughs> we become a Camille. <laughs> we become a chameleon for what situation that we're in. And so that is really what I've been thinking a lot about. And for those of you who know me or in the group coaching, you know that I, or one of my clients, you know that I love the Enneagram personality types. And it's something that we are going to get into on this podcast. There's a whole, uh, I think it is August in the membership, we're going to be talking about it in the group coaching. That's going to be what we're talking about. So if you're somebody who follows the Enneagram, and again, the Enneagram is a personality typing, there's nine of them based on your childhood wound which I just can't say enough great things about the Enneagram. For those of you who are into it, I'm an eight wing seven. And there is a personality type, it's type three, the achiever, where they are known as the chameleon. They are known as somebody who makes themselves whatever is needed in a situation to make things easier for people, to fit in, with whoever they're with. And I think we've all, whether that's us or we've just known somebody like this, 
right? I'm sure we're all nodding along that we've known someone maybe very closely. I have a very, very close friend who is an Enneagram three and I will, I feel like I know her so well, like so well. And then I'll see her in different situations and I'll see her act differently. Some people dress differently for different situations. So if you are somebody who's an Enneagram three, you know this very, very well because it's really a part of, of your personality. But the rest of us do this too. Sometimes we are doing this in healthy ways and we're sometimes we're doing this in not such healthy ways. I like to say we are pack animals um, as humans, but really we are creatures of community. We are social creatures. We depend on other people for our very survival. This whole like, I can go it alone. I do it alone. Unless you are fucking living out in the forest somewhere and you build your own fucking house. No, you're not doing it alone. You're not doing anything really alone. You work with other people or people made the technology that you work with. People built your house for you, right? Like it does take a community to raise everybody. We don't go it alone. And we need community. This is why at the deepest level, we are all struggling with feeling worthy of love because we want to fit into society. We're going to do a whole episode. Um, I don't know if this will come before it or after it. Shauna and I are doing an episode on the drinking culture and just how much of our interactions with other people have to involve alcohol. I say have to, don't have to, but we do this in society where we make sure that we are drinking on a date. We are. I, mean, I went into... God, I went to a store and they offered me alcohol. Like I need alcohol to shop. We need alcohol to get our hair cut. We need alcohol to do any big social engagements. If you really think about it. And that is that idea that we are so afraid of not being welcomed, that we are so afraid of not being a part of community, of not being liked, that we are so afraid of that we need to have alcohol to calm our nerves, to make us feel more okay being ourselves. Even though most of us, when we're drinking, are not actually ourselves, but we're trying to bring down our nervous system. We're trying to calm that nerves and make us feel more comfortable interacting with other people. And so many of us change who we are to fit in, whether that is we have to change how we are at work. For those of you who are on TikTok, I was saying about last year, there was a great TikTok series that people were doing of how they code switch and how they change how they talk and how they interact and how they dress for different cultures that they exist in or different societies that they exist in. So there were these great TikToks that was really opening and enlightening for me of um, this wonderful Native American man who wears a suit to work. And so it's him getting into his car and like smiling and waving goodbye to the people he works with in his suit with his hair tied back. And then all of a sudden he like takes off his suit jacket. He unbuttons his suit shirt. He puts on a t-shirt and he puts on earrings that are reflective of his culture. He lets his hair down. He puts on uh, a different jacket that is, you know, very indicative of his culture and his, and where he's from that he wouldn't feel comfortable wearing at work or wouldn't be allowed or acceptable at work. Uh, And they were several of these people doing these amazing TikTok videos about that need to be so different in different cultures, different societies. And many of us have to 
change how we are to be more acceptable, approachable in work situations. I know I, you guys know how much I swear I struggle in some situations to be like, okay, well now I need to not swear and now I need to act this way and be appropriate. And many of us are very different in different groups. And, and some of that is healthy because not everybody deserves our truest, most authentic self. Not everybody deserves that. So we do need some level of distance, some level of boundaries, uh, some things, you know, we just, unfortunately, we exist in a society where you need to be differently appropriate in different situations. And it is okay that we are switching things up. Most people do need to do that and that is okay. But how much of you is getting lost in there? How far are you going? Is it just pulling back the swearing? Maybe stop slouching your shoulders at work. Maybe talk quieter at work, not tell inappropriate dirty jokes at work or in front of your parents or your friends' parents, things like that. Or are you truly, truly changing your identity? Again, we do this because we want to fit in so badly. We talk about school shootings mass shootings. So much of this is about not fitting in, about being bullied, about being ostracized by community, about being weird and different. There is a great African proverb that says, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down in order to feel its warmth. I will say that again. The child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down in order to feel its warmth. It's an African proverb. That haunts me. I've thought about that one for years and in watching what is going on in society right now. This is our drive to fit in with society, with our people. And we change so much of who we are in order to do that. And so I wanted today to be a day where we really look at, do we want to spend our time with people that we have to change so much to be around? And in that, are we losing ourselves? I just recently watched the movie Inception. And if you haven't seen Inception, like, by the way, who hasn't seen Inception? But a reminder, it's about people who can go into somebody's subconscious and they can go many layers down into their subconscious. And when they're in there, it's hard to tell what is reality and what's not. So they have a talisman in their pocket that only they know what it feels like and what it looks like and the heaviness and the texture of it. And it is to remind them when they are in their correct reality. And I think that that is so important. I've been bringing it up lately in client sessions. I think it's so important to think about. I look at that as who we really are, always keeping in our pocket who we really are and knowing that we can go back to that. Even if we're in a situation where it's not emotionally safe to express that, do we still know it? deep down? Do we still have that talisman? Because the problem is, and I see this with clients all the time. So, you know, I know I don't really talk about that much, but I, a lot of what I do in my coaching is I work at that existential crisis. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Is there a God? What do I need out of life? How do I find love? How do I be happy? So I work, you know, the easy questions in life, obviously. Uh, I fix it for people in like one hour. It's no problem. <laughs> easy, done, worth it. 
But I work so much with people around this idea that if we are shape-shifting over and over and over for every different person in our life, at what point do we actually lose sight of who we truly are? Some of us do this because we never actually knew who we were or who we are. We never had a grasp on that. There is no talisman in our pocket. So we just keep reinventing ourselves for every new person. And and some reinventions are great. You know, people move to a new city. I just had some friends move into town from Seattle. We were talking about this last night, this idea of being able to move to a new place and reinvent ourselves. And when done properly, I don't think of it so much as reinventing ourselves, but experimenting with being able to get closer to who we are. That sometimes we need to shake things up. We need to physically move or go on vacation or start a new hobby or start a new job or get a new friend group or go to therapy. We do something big that allows us to move in a new way, to experience things in a new way and not to become a new quote unquote person, but to become more of who we are. So it's something I want you to start thinking about. Who am I when I'm with my partner? And what I recommend, for those of you who are listening to this and have pencil and paper, or if you're doing this in the car, you can do this in your head, but I, I really think it would be helpful to sit down when you have time and really look at the main relationships or the main places you spend time. And who are you in every single one of those? Who am I when I'm with my children? Who am I when I'm with my partner? Who am I when I'm with my pet? when I'm with my plants? Who am I when I'm with, in nature? When I'm at work? When I'm with my parents, my siblings, my church, my running group, my hobbies, all the places that you exist in the world. And then who are you when you're alone? This, my friends, is one of the big reasons why we don't want to be alone. Because then we'd have to be alone with ourselves and we'd have to look at ourselves and we'd have to know ourselves. And so many of us don't know ourselves, so we run from that, being quiet and being alone. Because one of the scariest things you will ever do in your life is be alone with yourself. It terrifies most people. I have this, I should have grabbed it um, on my mirror in my bathroom for years and years and years. I've had this great quote. I was on a card I bought years ago. And it said, I want to go on, I wanted to go on like an amazing journey. I'm paraphrasing here. I wanted to go on an amazing journey. So I sat alone for four days. Whoo. Just saying it to you right now gives me chills. I love it. And I looked at that card every day on my mirror when we were going through COVID. How terrifying that was for people to be alone with themselves, to really have to see themselves, maybe for the first time. And the other side of that is that maybe we had a talisman. Maybe we were, or we knew who we were at some point and we've lost it. Neither is better or worse, whether you never know who you were or you lost it somewhere along the way. Many of us who lost who we were along the way don't want to go looking for it because then we have to admit it's lost then we have to live with the grief of knowing who we are and that we are not being that person. 
Ooh, that brings tears to my eyes. Just talking about that. This is something that I really love to work with clients on. Who are we? Who are we when we are alone? Do we even know who that person is anymore or if ever? And if we lost it, how and where and why? That would be a great journal entry. If I lost myself, who, what, where, when, why? And it might be a great question if you've never known who you were to just wake up every morning and say, who am I? Please, universe, show me who I am today. Whatever works best for you. Journal entry about it. So that even if you need to chameleon yourself for situations, you still always have that talisman of who you were or who you are. And then allow yourself to have times where you don't change for other people. If you're constantly in situations where you need to be other people for somebody else, are those the people to be around? Do you need to pick new friends? Do you need to spend less time with your family? Do you need a different job? Or do you just need to interact in a different way? It's interesting because I I was just talking to a friend recently who I'd gotten to know significantly better. And I said, you know, getting to know each other better, we just kind of are thrown in together in a situation where we've had to, we've known each other for years, but we've had to get to know each other really well, really quickly. And I was curious. I said, you know, what what is something that you didn't expect about me being getting to know me so quickly so well and she said how quiet you are (laughs) and I was like yeah isn't that funny because so many people are the opposite of me where they are more talkative and more outgoing when they feel more comfortable and more quiet and shy when they're not comfortable. I am the opposite I am dyslexic I don't know why it is this way but I am significantly louder and more outgoing, the less comfortable I am. I am definitely in a group of people and I am like, dance, monkey, dance. Like I am very performative. I'm very outgoing. I'm charming. I'm funny. I'm sort of life of the party, all eyes on me and is my way of being safe. We all get around a bunch of people and we feel very nervous and uncomfortable, right? The human experience we want so desperately to be liked by other people that we get really self-conscious In groups, we all do it, and I feel safest when everybody's looking at me, which I know sounds odd because most people are safe when nobody's looking at them, but there is this sense of I can control the room if everybody's looking at me. I don't know why that's how my brain works, but it does. And the more comfortable I am, the more comfortable I am being quiet. And it's something I'm working on even when I'm not completely comfortable is being quieter. And sometimes I've just had a long day or I'm just exhausted. If I hang out with people after a whole day of seeing clients, I've poured everything into my clients and I don't always have that much left to give. And some friends are super wonderful about that. And sometimes newer friends are like, oh, I thought you, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. I'm just either really comfortable or really, you know, sort of tired. And they're just shocked that I'm not my super biggest, bubbliest personality. Sometimes I'm in groups and people have expectation of how I should be. Oh, Rochelle, like, I thought you going to be the life of the party. I thought you are going to be telling jokes and stories and, you know, you're just kind of quiet. Is everything okay? You know, and they're, I can tell a disappointment in them that I'm not being my loudest, most gregarious self. And I used to jump right into dance monkey dance mode. 
because I could tell they were disappointed. I could tell they wanted something in me that I wasn't providing, that maybe I'd sold them this bag of tricks and yet I wasn't doing it. And now I'm older and I'm more confident, love my 40s for this. And I've just been like, ah, no, sorry. It's, and it's not that the performance version of me isn't me. It's just a, a different part of me, right? It's a different facet to the crystal. It is one of the parts of me. And I get to give it and show it whenever I want to in whatever situations I want to, whether it's because I'm uncomfortable or just because I'm having fun or enjoying, whatever it is, I get to do it when I want, not when other people want. So I'm like, oh, yep, nope. Just going to kind of sit here and smile. And that gets to be okay too. I get to fade into the background when I want. I get to be quiet when I want, even if people have expectation of me being different and making sure that I'm only spending time with people who love me in all those ways. Love me when I'm being quiet, loving, love me when I'm just listening, love me when I'm big and exciting, right? I've had so many people, especially men I've dated that like one or the other, but not both. And I'm like, sorry, there's both and both are me. And I get to be those interchangeably whenever I want. So that's one way that it, it shows up for me, this different versions of myself. Who are you the most you with? So after you've sat there and you've written down all these different versions of you, who are you most you with? Is it a pet? Is it nature? Is it by yourself? Is it with a best friend? with a partner, with your children. With your children is often a big one that I hear. That unconditional love, that non-judgment from children. We get to be our goofiest, funniest, silliest, most authentic us. Because they are so authentically them, right? Like this is just with a kid, as you guys know, what you fucking see is what you fucking get. I think it's the same way with a pet. I know that Yes, I miss my dogs, Anne, so much for a thousand reasons. But one of those reasons is my ability for authenticity with him that I don't have with anybody else. And not that I'm hiding it from other people. I have a very, you know, Lindsay is my very, very deep best friend. And Sean is my very, very deep best friend. And, you know, I go very deep in partnership. But there is this ability to be this very raw, very vulnerable very caring version of me that I don't get to show very often to that level that I got to be with him. And that is one of the lasting painful things. And if anybody here has lost anybody in their life that they were extremely close to, you may resonate with this, that there is the loss of them, but there is also this loss of who we got to be when we were with them. And that's something that I really miss. And in a way, I, I became a, a coach before he died, but I exploded uh, on the internet and got the careers taken off the way it has shortly after he died, really because he passed away. And I was in such a deep, deep state of mourning that I started making TikToks and trying to help other people as a way to get me out of what I was going through. So that really kicked off after he was gone. And I think that in a way doing this and having my one-on-one clients has allowed me to be my nurturing part of myself that I haven't gotten to be since he's been gone. But there was this way, you know, he was anywhere between five and seven pounds depending on uh, his weight or his hair because he was a Pomeranian. 
And a lot of people say, oh, little dogs. Oh my God. Yeah. Little dogs that think they're big dogs. Rah, rah, rah. They're, they're so big. Not mine. Not mine. Mine was, Stan was a teeny tiny person who was very well aware that he was a teeny tiny person and absolutely everything terrified him all the time. So even though I'm this big, gigantic personality, this big person that has, you know, developed a life for herself where she is absolutely responsible for nobody else ever. And I do everything I want when I want. And I've worked very hard to build a life where nobody can tell me what to do. I was absolutely positively run by this tiny creature. I did everything that I did for this fucking creature. And because he was so little, I had this need to be my smallest, most authentic, most compassionate, patient, kind version of myself, vulnerable with him, that I don't presently get a chance to be. But I have the talisman that I know that that is a part of me, whether that's a part of me that will come back in relationship or it does come back to an extent with my clients, but whether that will come back in relationship, whether that will come back when I have another pet someday, I'm not sure. But because I've experienced that with him, I know that that is in there. And I know that it is a part of me that I love very much because I miss it now that he's not here. I miss being able to care for something that deeply. So many of us have had that experience as well. And we got to write that down there as a part of who we know ourselves to be. And believe me, it's not who I am when I'm alone. There's so much of who I am deeply and truly as a person when nobody is looking, but that part of me, I'm not that nice to me as I was to him. I wish I was. I don't, I don't have that much patience with me. I don't have that much compassion with myself, understanding, empathy, vulnerability, love for myself as I had with him. I'm working on that, right? I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. So sometimes I look at it and I say, I am my most self when I'm alone, but sometimes we are our most self when we're with somebody else. And that's okay too. It's a great starting off point. So really taking a look at, are we the most authentic with ourselves alone or with other people? And why or why not? Just some food for thought today. I hope this is incredibly helpful and makes you think a little bit deeper. And I always hope that you share these, all the things you learn here, I hope you share with other people. And if you like this podcast, if this podcast is helpful meaningful for you, I would really appreciate if you would review it wherever it is you get your podcasts, if you love it. If you hate this podcast, then please don't review it. Please. No. Mm-mm, nope. 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 Don't. No need to review it. You will not got the kind of time. Oh, it takes forever. You're going to hate it. You better time spent doing something else. You know what? Don't even worry about it. And if you hate this podcast, like don't, you don't even need to tell anybody about it. You just keep that stuff for yourself. Don't even worry about it. Just move right on to something else. No big deal. (laughs) But if you do love this podcast and you find it helpful, I would appreciate a review so that other people know that this is a place where they can come and learn and hopefully be able to share the things that they learn with others and have it be as meaningful to them as it is for, for the other people. So thank you so much. Love you guys. Have a great one.